Hello, hello. This is Romeo. <laughs> hello. This is Call it from a jackpot telephone. <laughs> I have no idea what you're saying. It's Melissa Etheridge. Oh, really? What kind of lesbian are you? <laughs> I don't clearly a bad one. Oh my I don't goodness. know that Melissa Etheridge song. Who did I marry? Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Wandering Works for Us. We are Shelly and Beth, a married couple living in Portugal and traveling the world. These are our stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm Shelly. And I'm Beth. And we're Wandering Works for Us. And today, we're going to talk about some day trips that we've taken, maybe. (laughs) Day trips in Portugal. Day trips in Portugal, because moving to Portugal means we get to travel. Yes. As we always say. Feel free to share anything you want. (laughs) (laughs) As we sit in silence. (laughs) Feel free to, you know, back and forth, have a conversation. (laughs) Any of that would be great. (laughs) Are you just like waiting for me to just tell everybody what's going on? Well, you usually do, so I wasn't sure. (laughs) Want to drink my beer? Okay. (laughs) How about if we talk about our day trip when we went to Nazare? Okay. Which is actually two day trips. We're going to talk about them both. So one of the places that we have visited that's only about 30 minutes north of us, it's a nice drive, is Nazare. And many of you may have heard of Nazare because it is a big surfer location now because it has the largest waves in the world. And that's because there is a, I can't remember how long it is, but a really big, long, deep canyon under the water. Yes, <laughs> large canyon under the water. And um, when a good swell comes through, The waves, of course, are deep, and then they crash right onto the beach. And we were able to go. We've been to Nazare twice, and there's two parts of Nazare. And one of them's kind of the upper part, which is the CTO part. And then there's the lower part, which is the Praia part, which is the beach. And the upper part is on a cliff, of course, and that's where you go to see the big waves at the park where the lighthouse is. Yes. And so that's where many people, when you see the big waves on the internet, or if you look up, uh, was it Praia do Norte? That's the beach in Nazare that has the big waves. You will see like how giant they are. And they're known for like the Guinness World Book of Records, most giant waves surfed. They don't just, generally speaking, when the waves are big, because they aren't always giant, but when they are big, they actually get towed out by a ski-doo or a what are those called a jet ski jet ski yeah and they're big enough that every single time you can't paddle out into that water it's way too big and it's too dangerous and so people get towed out into the waves and the one day that we were there that we got to see the waves they were probably 30 to 40 feet that's a lot it is so not only do they get towed into the waves so to speak and then they let, you know, go and surf down the wave. 
but then they also get picked up by this jet ski because you cannot paddle back out you can't you can't do that well and you can't even paddle really to shore no you're going to get pummeled then yeah. too so they come back in and the the people who drive these jet skis are amazing they are so talented and very brave very and a little bit crazy and a little crazy yeah which brings us back to melissa etheridge because that song that i just sang to you earlier yes was from the brave and crazy album well there we go so we've just come back around we have full circle <laughs> put us on microphones and let us talk for a while we'll get there we'll get there eventually but Nazare is divided into two sections, like we said. And so the upper part is where the big waves are. And you can go up there by a, funic a funicular. Yes. If you happen to be on the lower part or what do what we did and just drive over there because we didn't know where we were going or what we were doing. <laughs> no. But we were able to find parking. Luckily, I doubt you could do that during the summer, though. No. I don't think there's parking up there at all. But that upper part is really nice. It's got a large church up there, which we have not been into yet. What was the name of the church? Nusa Sonora de Nazare. Yeah, Our Lady of the Virgin Mary. No. <laughs> Nusa Senora Nazare Church. <laughs> and uh, there's a great story about a king and a Virgin Mary. Yeah, but I forgot to look that up, so I don't know what it is. Okay. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Um, or I could stop it and look it up. But it was like he was on a hunt, and he was chasing a deer, and the deer ran off the cliff, and he stopped because he saw the face of Virgin Mary, or he saw a statue or something. Oh. And saved his life. Okay. I need to look that up. Yeah. Anywho. <laughs> There's also this a is lot so of random. All of our we did rambling. There's also a lot of shops and restaurants up there. It's kind of like an old town or village square up there. The there's restaurants and shops surrounding it. I can't remember if there's a fountain in the middle of the square. I don't but, think there was. No. Um, and people in the summer especially set up little places where they sell things to the tourists up there. Boots. Booths, yes, there we go. And we went, there's a California person, man, who moved to Nazare, and he missed tacos. And so he opened a taco restaurant, and it's called Waves Tacos and Tapas. And of course we found it. <laughs> of course we did. And they had good Mexican food. We were t more Tex-Mex, right? Very, uh, well, or Baja California. Oh, yes, kind of Baja California. Yeah, yeah, that would be right. It was good. It's hard to find good Mexican food here, so we enjoyed it. And they had great margaritas. Fantastic margaritas. And we were with our friend Sh Sheila, who was visiting. Hi, Hi Sheila. Sheila. And so... That day, we basically just explored the beach area. You can't really go down to Praia do Norte Beach. It's not a sitting beach. Those waves are way too big. Yes, People go to there not just even to... not really allowed down there, I don't think. No, just to observe the ocean. And you can sit up on the cliffs and do that. But you can also explore the lower part, which is Praia do Nazare, the, Praia, the beach of Nazare. And that's where all the tourists go anyway during the summer. And we spent just a small amount of time down there, too. But you can imagine how crowded it is during the summer. It is a beautiful beach town. That beach is lovely. It is. It's very deep. 
and wide. It's just, it'll hold a lot of people. Deep and wide. I know. I keep saying that. I said that about the canyon. I said it about the beach. It's deep. Also, also, there is a wonderful little hut right on the beach that was open even in non-summer, and they sell ginger there. Ginger on the beach, which is a cherry liqueur for those of you that haven't listened to any other yes our other podcast we like it it's and very good we had met our friends philomena and rick hi, hi philomena and rick we had to have a ginger before we departed ways with them but that was a lovely day just walking up and down the main street of nazare there are so many shops and restaurants and i highly recommend when you go to nazare of course go down the main roads and see all of the shops and the restaurants through there but also go back through the back alleys because mm-hmm. you're going to find better restaurants that locals visit back through there and evidently one end of that road is kind of against the cliff where if you look up you'll see the lighthouse up there and that's the cliff that the funicular goes up and evidently that end of the street is older and then it expanded out and so you've got some really good old family restaurants back in there that's the best places to go eat too. yeah we found one it was very good yeah is there anything else about Nazare? well yeah i'm the lighthouse we didn't talk about how you can you pay two euros right to get in yeah we should have done that before i hit the beach mm-hmm. it's okay you pay two euros to go in the lighthouse but it's worth it not only just for the view but there are a couple of exhibits or exhibit rooms one shows you a model of the canyon that's under the water and explains to you how it makes the big waves. And that's really interesting. And then in a couple of other rooms, surfers who have surfed there, and I think probably most of them in competition is how that all happened, they have donated their surfboards or sometimes their flippers or whatever, and they're all displayed and with a little plaque about who it is and their picture and when they rode. And yeah, and the Guinness World Book of Records, the a woman that has surfed the largest wave, her surfboard is there. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's really interesting to see. And then when you go up on the upper level, which is where you go back outside, well, actually on the lower level, Mario, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. I've got to look it up. But I keep saying Reese, but it could be Rice. It's probably Reyes. Oh, Reyes. It may be. Mario Reyes. Most likely. Mario is a ceramicist here in yeah, Portugal. He's just outside of Caldas Geranium. <laughs> and um, he... He's second generation. His father was also a ceramicist, and he, I love his stuff. I've just become such a big fan, and I was lucky enough to buy a tile from him recently. But he makes these really neat ceramic and some wood seagulls. They're like real to scale seagulls, and they are installed all along the seawall there or the wall of the lighthouse. And he also has some other things in town. He has wall panels over by the funicular. And so after you get to see those, great pictures, by the way, then you go up to the top level, and that's where the little you see the actual red lighthouse that's up there, and you can watch the waves. Amazing views from up there. Oh, it's amazing. It's, yeah. Even, even if the waves are, you know, one foot, 
it's worth going up there. It's worth seeing just the view. Yeah. And just seeing how powerful the ocean is from up there. It's an experience. And I remember when we were up there, it was hard to leave because we were all just kind of mesmerized by the surfers and the waves and how everything just kind of flowed. It's very hypnotic. Yes. And if you haven't watched, there's a HB on HBO Max, I guess or it's might be now. just Max now. Yeah, whatever it is. There is a multi-part documentary on big wave surfing and it's called 100 Foot Wave. And it's all about Nazare and how it got started as a big wave surfing spot. And it's really interesting. It is. It's really cool. Highly yeah. recommend. Plus, you get to see what Nazare sort of looked like 10 years ago. It's a little bit different now. A lot of tourists have come to town. <laughs> yes, any very much so. Also, one of the things we didn't talk about was how there were a lot of the older folks down by the beach, by the Praia part, were dressed in traditional Portuguese, or excuse me, traditional Nazare girts and tops, the women, and that was really interesting. The older women that are dressed in these traditional outfits, most of them are out trying to sell you a room or try to get you to rent a room from them. Mm -hmm. And there is a traditional one called the seven colored flannel skirt that the women wear and it's called that because it's embroidered and it has seven colors in it it's flowers and things like that but we also saw some that weren't in those but they were traditional skirts and blouses and yeah with their knee socks pulled up and you know their shawls over them and they look you know very traditional yes we beat that to death we did didn't we i'm gonna have a great time editing this i think you should Okay, guys, we're back. And in that whole five seconds, or technically five minutes, I suppose, that we were gone, I played the Melissa Etheridge song for Beth, and she knew it, and everything is okay. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear it. I was a little worried at first, but now everything is fine. (laughs) We can move on with our lives. Yes, and what we're going to do is talk about our next day trip. Where did we go, Beth? We went to... (laughs) Coinenbrigga ruins. Coinenbrigga ruins. Uh, yes. Well, you made it sound very Scottish, but oh. yes. Coinenbrigga uh, ruins. Yeah. Coinenbrigga. I think it's Coinen. There's no I in there. C O N. That's how. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> We're doing so well with our Portuguese pronunciation, yes. aren't we? Yes. So, what is that? You might ask. It is uh, one of the largest Roman settlements in. Portugal. One of the reasons that we wanted to go to the ruins is Eli and I love ancient ruins. We will walk around and try to figure out what happened and learn about ancient civilizations. And we were very happy to find that this place was only about, what, an hour maybe? Mm -hmm. A little bit more than an hour maybe from where we live. So it was a nice day trip to drive up there. It was warmer than we expected. In December, no less. In December, yeah, in December, (laughs) because we had planned to do this the last time Eli was here. It was in August, and we had planned a day to go, and then we looked at the weather and realized it was going to be like 104 (laughs) out there. Fahrenheit. And we were like, no, we're not not doing that. Yeah. And we'll die. And it's a good thing we didn't, because even the day in December that we went, it was only 17. Celsius. Celsius. 
as I jump back and forth, y'all, you know, keep up. Try to keep up. <laughs> Which is about 64, um, 65. No, I think it's less than that. I swear that 20 degrees is 60. But I might be wrong. Anyway, so it was about 17, which is maybe high 50s. And it was still really warm because it's completely open. There's only one part that's sheltered. So when the sun is shining, it is very warm out there walking around. I ended up taking my jacket off, I think. I got really warm. I did too. But so if you decide to go, go on a cool day because in August you're going to die. (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe not die, but it will certainly be very hot. Very hot. There is a, a cafe there where you can get out of the sun. There is a museum. Very but, small museum. But yes, yeah. but but you are out in the open most of the time. It's uh, really affordable. It, it was only four and a half euros to get in per person. We should mention when it's open in case you want to go. It's open from 10 to 6. We did not take a tour and when we saw Pompeii we did not take a tour and I felt like that you could really sort of get the gist of it and the signage was really good at Point and Briga. I didn't feel that way as much about Pompeii. When we go back there again, we will definitely take a tour. But on this one, I feel like you can do it without a tour, unless you just want every single detail. Yeah, make sure you get the book if you're not going to take a tour. And I think there was an app. We were going to look that up, but we had a little guidebook with us mm-hmm. and and Eli, and he was very good about telling what each thing was yes in this place there is forum there's aqueducts there's homes that have incredible fountains and mosaics and it was really amazing and also the baths or the spas were really interesting i have never seen a bath or spa that was that detailed where you could really see where they had the cold water and they had the tepid water and they had the hot water and you know you progress from one to the next and how they did that that was really interesting same for the aqueducts you could really see how once it came out of the big aqueduct you know like a lot of people have seen that have traveled in Europe you could see the system and how they dispersed it throughout the town and that was really interesting yeah, plus this place is so small that it's manageable. When you go to places like Pompeii, we spent the entire day there. It was open, it was hot, and there was so much to see and so much to try to figure out. This little village, much easier. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. I mean, those mosaics just out in the open. They were gorgeous. Did yeah, you? I, I was really surprised that all of the mosaics were not protected in some way but they were in fact in the areas where it was foundations of houses and stores you know shops and things where there weren't mosaics on the floor you could actually just walk through it and it was I said at one point watch me touch a Roman stone but (laughs) it was really interesting to be so up close to it and as I said I think it was much more understandable of course only 17% of it is excavated so they're still working on it I think it's going to be a while before they finish that up me too we didn't mention that it's really from the 
9th century BC wow. to the 7th and 8th AD is when this town was built and occupied, had activity. There's also the museum, and they have... It, it was small but interesting, and they have a lot of the artifacts that they have found while they've been excavating the actual walls and, and foundations. And so there's pottery and there's implements and tools and things that were used. And so that's really interesting to see as well. We didn't see that, though. We <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to tell people that. <laughs> Eli went. <laughs> we uh, we we were tuckered by the time that means tired. Of the for those of you that aren't from the South United States, we were just tired by the time we were done. It's and so bigger than it looks. Yeah. Yeah. So Eli popped into the museum while we had a coffee and sat down, but it. You, you can look it up online, and we saw. Plus, Eli told us about yeah, it. Yeah, Eli told us all about it, so it was fine. And the cafe, by the way, is attached to the museum. It was open the entire time we were there, so I'm making an assumption that it's open. Every day that the place Every is day open. that it's open. And you could get lunch there. You could just get a snack. And as I mentioned, we had a coffee. You can get water there if you need it. Make sure you take water if you can. Wear a hat if it's going to be sunny because you are out in the element. There is one place that's covered, though, and that was the House of Fountains. That was really cool. That yeah. was the coolest part, I think. Yeah. One of the places that is the most intact that they were able to excavate, although only part of it is excavated. But it is called the House of Fountains because literally in the middle of the area of this house, there is this huge fountain. And you, you can make it uh, the water flow and you can see how it works by putting in, was it a, it was a euro? Fit, I think. A euro. You, yeah. There's a little machine. You put in a euro and the water turns on and you can see how it worked. Yeah. So most Roman houses, you have an entryway and then you can go through a hall and then in the middle of the house they have basically like a courtyard and a lot of times they'll have statues and mosaics and sometimes there'll be a fountain out there and this one was just a humongous fountain once i get the blog up or even we might even post it online on one of our social media but we got a video of the fountain going and it's really cool yeah and that place was huge that was a big house it was and i understand by reading about it that they had an original wall to this town and then later you know a long time later 200 years later or something they built another wall and it was a little closer in and they actually took a little bit of that house when they built that new wall oh, so it that. used to be bigger wow yeah it was definitely a very wealthy person's home very wealthy person's home but that is a really neat place to visit, especially if you're close to uh, Coimbra. It's only, it's just right outside of Coimbra. There was probably many ways to get a guide or they had bus tour parking. So if you're planning to go, you might want to check to make sure that it's not completely crowded that day. But, you know, I'm glad we went. I'm glad we went to see it. I really am too. Like I said, it was very easy to kind of get a picture 
by walking through about what the life was like. I really enjoyed it a lot. There were like 10,000 people that lived there at the height of its population. It's so. Way bigger than the village we're in. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so it was a big city at it that was, point. It, it was. It, and it's doable in half a day. You can go and spend a half a day and have lunch at the cafe or not and or a break at the cafe and you're done. It's, yes. Yeah. It's, it's easy to do in about half a day. So another one of our day trips that we took while all our guests were here was with Amy and we went to the Tile Museum in Lisbon. Museo du Azulejo. Yes. I may or may not have said that right. I, I think that was right. <laughs> Museo du Azulejo. Azulejo, which is Portuguese for... Tiles. <laughs> but they're called azulejos because the, the color in most of them, when they began to make them, they painted them this beautiful blue color, all the scenes that they mm-hmm. would paint on these so tiles. So they were blue and so white. So they were blue, and, azul, yeah. and so that's why they were called that. But now, tiles that you see all over Portugal are many, many different colors. But here at this particular museum, which used to be a monastery, you can see tiles made all over Portugal plus tiles that are being restored from different places. It's a really neat uh, afternoon to spend, especially on a rainy afternoon. That'd be a great trip to take. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, sunny would be great too. It, it actually, if it was really hot outside, that would be a cooler place to go, I think. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, it's a big stone building. The Tile Museum is in, it's housed in the former... Madre da Deush, right? Yes. Yes. House of God, is that what it means? Well, Mother of God is what it oh, means. Oh, yes. Madre Mother of, de Deush. Which was a convent uh, from 1509. And it became a museum in 1965. It took about two hours to go through. Yes. Um, I would say if you want to look at every single tile, read every single plaque, you know, do everything. I would allow more like three. Yes, I would too, because I did not read every single plaque. I went through and looked at the pretty tiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, it's it's certainly doable, you know, as you're making plans in a half a day along with a meal somewhere or something. They cover the second half of the 15th century to present day with tiles that are there so there's quite a variety there's there are some contemporary tiles which are really interesting and then of course most of them are the more ancient tiles gosh the scenes that are on these tiles are incredible they really are i mean even the religious ones of course with the little babies Mm -hmm. the cherubs and the angels and of course it's some yeah the pooty and it's some sort of you know usually Mary and the baby Jesus because that's what everybody wants to paint on everything. Yes. It's usually Mary and the baby Jesus or, you know, saint or someone like that. My favorite, though, was the big one that had Alexander the Great and he's uh, fighting a battle in Macedonia. And oh, I mean, there is yeah. so much going on. It's a whole wall of tiles and there is so much going on in this one scene. And I wonder how long it took somebody to paint that. I would think a very long time. A very long time. Yeah, because it was very detailed. Keep it clean, keep it 
restored. Mm-hmm. I mean, that had to take a lot of work. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And I think I just want some cute little plaque to hang outside of our apartment with our names on it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get custom tiles here. Oh, and the chicken wedding. That <laughs> was my favorite, too. That yeah. was the actual name of the painting, was it, the chicken wedding. And you're looking at it, and there's, like, monkeys that are have the coaches, and they're, you know, making the horses go. And then there's this one coach that has a chicken inside of it. And uh-huh. you're assuming that's the chicken that's getting married. <laughs> yeah, that it, was awesome. It was great. I took some pictures of it, so we'll put it on the blog oh, when good. you write about this. Yes, chicken wedding. Yes. <laughs> if I'm going to get something commissioned, it's definitely going to be a chicken wedding. <laughs> <laughs> there's also the chapel still there from the monas- uh, excuse me, from the convent. Oh, that chapel is incredible. It really was. It's called the Chapel of St. Anthony and Queen Leonore, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. And they also had what it's sort of becoming one of our favorite things they had bone reliquaries yes in the choir room yes so strange so there were the in case you haven't heard us talk about this before it's like a piece of of sculpture it's pottery or ceramic and it is done in the shape of it's the likeness of a person for example and then there's this little glass door where their chest should be in a little cavity there and then inside that you can open it up well we can it's behind glass but um, they put a bone from the actual person in there supposedly (laughs) and sometimes it's just an arm showing a hand and then in the arm there's a little glass door and it'll be a a bone from that person's arm supposedly so anyway they're uh, really interesting one of the best things about this museum is you get to see a piece called the great view of lisbon which is from 1700 And it was done before the big earthquake that destroyed almost the entirety of Lisbon, which was in 1755. And it was the only surviving record of what Lisbon looked like at that time before the earthquake. So it's very historically significant. It is also massive. It is huge. (laughs) 2,247 centimeters wide, so it is very, very big, and it's 115 inches high, and it, it's in a special room, and it just kind of curves around this room, and every section is just so full of detail, and it's signed really well, so it, it tells what each section is, and that is probably my favorite thing that was my favorite yeah of the whole thing because I spent more time looking at that tile than any of the other ones Mm -hmm. they also do restoration work there which I think is fascinating and so there are experts tile restorer experts that I'm sure I did not give them the correct title and they have an area which you can sort of peek into where there are crates and crates and crates of very old tiles that are waiting for them to, in a lot of cases, actually identify. So they take them out of the crate and they try to make 
the scene or the mosaic or whatever it was at the time and then date it and then restore it as much as possible. And it these tiles come from all over. They come from buildings when they're being uh, renovated and they're not going to keep that tile. They come from families who have just kept them up in a attic from some old house. I mean, they come from all over. And I think I read that if they got no more tiles in and they worked at their current pace, it would take them 27 years to finish what they're what they have wow. sitting there now to work it is but it's really interesting I think to you can kind of sit if it's during the time when their their work hours are you can actually see them sitting at their little tables with their tiny little brushes and and uh, working on the tiles so did you enjoy the tile museum I did enjoy the tile museum yeah, yeah. I, I would highly recommend it yeah, absolutely. Especially because when you travel throughout Portugal, everywhere that you go, you're going to see these tiles on the sides of buildings. The um, Sao Bento train station is full of them. They are truly part of Portugal's culture. And to learn more about them, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool to learn more about them. Yeah, it was the second time I have been, actually, and I enjoyed it just as much as the first time. It had been a while. The first time I went was before COVID, and I actually had forgotten quite a bit of it because, you know, a lot's happened since then. But it was really worth going. So highly recommend. And there's a cafe you can have lunch at. Yes, there everywhere is. we go, there's a cafe. <laughs> you can always get coffee <laughs> somewhere. Always. <laughs> I love yeah. Portugal. Yes. Okay, so I think that's it for now. We've got some other day trips to talk about in a different podcast, but I think that's it for this one. Yeah, I think that's it for this one. In our next one, we will probably talk about Centra and our trip to Pina Palace and the Quinta da Regalera. Very I good. I'm make sure I'm going to say that right. But that just has to be a podcast all in its own because it's amazing and huge. Yeah. There's a lot going on that, in those that, places. That was great. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I think that's it. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. So Boa Todd. Boa Todd. Thank you everyone for joining us today. If you would like to reach out to us or ask questions, you can find us on our social media pages on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. You can also follow us at our website, www.forus.com. That's www.forus.com. Hope to hear from you soon. Obrigada! <laughs>